You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. This week's reading is from Galatians 5, 1 through 16. Please turn in your Bibles or follow along on the screen. For freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Take note, I, Paul, am telling you, if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. For we eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. You were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. I myself am persuaded in the Lord you will not accept any other view. But whoever it is that is confusing you, you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. I wish those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Paul, pretty passionate guy. You can see here in this text that he is saying things that um, might not get him uh, a second meeting with a pastoral search team. Um, Things like let them be mutilated themselves. Things that are hard to read, things that don't make sense to us because we don't really understand what's going on here. And so that's our goal today is to understand what's happening. Uh, Let's go to the Lord and pray. Lord, we need your help. Free us. Free us, Lord. And for those of us who are free, help us to stand firm and to love one another and how we're standing. So show us how to do this. Teach our hearts. Rescue us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Perhaps you've seen the clever commercial that begins with a middle-aged guy sitting on the couch, the camera kind of zooming in on his face, and he's sharing what is his ultimate fantasy. You've seen that one? He begins to talk about, he says something like this, oh, just to leave it all, leave the job, just leave it at my desk, leave the family, leave the responsibilities and just go as far away as possible. And then as the camera's zooming out, he's sort of rudely, (coughs) 
interrupted by his pals that are in the room, and they're like, hey, we're talking about the number one fantasy pick in the draft of football. And if you've seen that commercial, you know it's funnier than what I just presented it. But what's happening there is this guy's kind of given his picture when they ask him, okay, what's your number one fantasy pick in football? He kind of goes a different direction. He says, oh, just to let go of everything, to get away from all the responsibilities, to be free from all the pressures. Oh, this guy doesn't get it. Um, so we see in that commercial what a lot of us probably struggle with, what we think is really freedom. What Paul is talking about is freedom. It's not necessarily letting go of all responsibilities, letting go of all the pressures, letting go of everything else. It's actually moving into and further into a relationship with God that cuts us away from all the religious baggage where we get the credit or our people close to us get the credit. Paul's letter to the Galatian, Galatian people is intending to redirect them back to freedom. The freedom had come to them. He's reminding them of the day in which they were saved. He's reminding them all throughout this letter, if you've been walking through us, what their identity in Christ is. And we see in this text a very important reminder. You used to be joy-filled. You used to be zealous. You used to have something that everybody else was asking about and I want you to know, Galatians, that there is a difference with where you were with where you are now. And so the question that is pressing on my heart to you, Galatian people, is this. What happened? Who came in? Who, he used the words earlier in chapter 1, who bewitched you? Who's fooling you? You were running well. Something or someone has crept in and led you back to shackles. In fact, for the Galatian people, these people that were coming in, these false teachers, these Judaizers were coming in and leading them to shackles they never even had. Rules they never even followed in the first place. But now they find themselves entrapped into. After arguing for the work of Christ versus the work of the law, Paul finally gets to this text today where he quite clearly tells them, and what we should see is what it is that we are to do. Why we should do it, and how then are we to do it. Those are the three things. If you're writing in your notes today, it's really what, why, and how. Okay? Real simple. I'm not that smart. That's all I can come up with. What to do, why they should do it, and why we should do it, and how we are to ensure our freedom. Let's look at this. First one, we see the what very clearly for freedom that was last week we talked a lot about for freedom christ set us free what it means to be fully free and then he gives us the what for freedom christ set us free stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery stand firm what does paul mean by standing firm and freedom well stand firm in freedom as free people. Embrace what God has ordained, what Christ has won, and what the Spirit declares. Did you catch that? Stand firm in what the sovereign God has ordained for you, Galatians. Stand firm in what a sovereign God through the Son has won for you. And stand firm in what we're getting to in this chapter is what the Spirit is declaring and holding in you. 
Stand firm in doctrinal truth. That's another thing that he means here. Stand firm in doctrinal truth that there is indeed a such thing as the wrath of God. That's very important that we don't skip past that. A lot of people want to read about how we can have assurance in faith. I had the book idea this week that I could write a book on the assurance of wrath. Because it's true. Stand firm in the doctrinal truth that there is a such thing as the wrath of God and we deserve that wrath. But Christ rescued us from it. And all the wrath of God was poured onto Christ. We need to stand firm in doctrinal truth that Christ took the hit for us. Stand firm in freedom. Stand firm in doctrinal truth. Stand firm in the work of Christ on the cross and what it did to secure our freedom. Not standing firm in your work, in the law. These people were giving back, going back into works of the law, working themselves into some sort of freedom. How can I know that I know that I know that I'm with Christ? Well, these Judaizers, these false teachers were coming in saying, here's how you know. Have all your men get circumcised. That's what we had to do before Jesus, so you got to do it after Jesus. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. It's for freedom. Christ has set you free. Stand firm in what Christ did on the cross. Don't stand firm in your own work. Stand firm in the story, the truth, and the reality of God's amazing grace for you. This is what Paul is preaching to the Galatians. This is what he's been preaching for these four and a half chapters. Let me ask you this morning. Could you describe your relationship with the all-creating God as a relationship in which you are standing firm or does it feel a bit shaky? The last couple of weeks I've been going to rehab for uh, a knee, my knee surgery that I had several weeks ago. And my most hated exercise, because I look so foolish, is this sort of half bubble. Have you seen that? Part of it's flat on top, and then it's a bubble underneath, and I'm supposed to stand on it. And uh, so it sounds pretty easy, right? Right? Like, I can stand on a flat piece with a bubble. Like, Jason, how hard is that? Well, when you stand on it and you don't have much confidence in the knee that was surgically repaired, you stand on it and you start doing this real quick, okay? And it's like wobbly and everybody's looking at me like, look at that dopey guy. I can't keep his balance. And I'm sitting there and I'm wobbling all over the place and it makes no sense. How come I can't do this? And I step off and the guy says, just breathe. Work on your core. And just breathe as you're there. Relax. And all of a sudden, things stabilize. Trust your knee. Trust your... And that's what so many times it hit me. This is the way people feel so many times in their faith. Wobbly. They're on the right place. They know they're supposed to be having this sense of freedom, but they don't feel balanced at all. Let me ask you, would that describe your relationship with God? Wobbly. Something's wrong. Something's not secure. Paul says that we ought to stand firm. Scripture tells us to stand firm, and not only to stand firm, the other thing we're supposed to do is stand firm and not go back. Stand firm then, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. 
We aren't to go back. Go back to what? Well, back to the shame of your former life. This is so easy to do. Don't go back to the shame of your former life. Don't go back to the insecurity of your identity. Don't go back to where you're constantly asking the question, am I, am I really a Christian or, or am I not? Am I a slave to sin or the law or, or am I really belonging to Jesus? Don't go back to slave-like habits. This is hard to do. Don't go back to the lifestyle, the choices, whether they're small or big, that always lead us to a path, path where we're held down, we're shackled down, where we feel constantly oppressed. Sure, there are horrible consequences to our sin, but that doesn't mark our identity. Paul says, stand firm. Don't go back. He's saying don't submit again to the yoke of a religion that makes you feel really good or really bad based on your performance. Did you catch that? Don't go back to thinking that your relationship with God and how you feel about that is really driven by how you're performing. Paul says, get that out. That's not what this is about. That's not what Christ died so that you can feel good about how well you're performing as a Christian. The other thing he's saying is don't submit again to the yoke of a religion that you feel good or bad based on how religious leaders see you. This is so important. You know how many millennials I talk to that say, I would go to church, but... And then they point to the crisis in the Catholic Church. You hear about all those priests and what they're doing. I would go to church, but the pastor ran off with the organist. I would go to the church... But the pastor didn't really talk to me. He's not really friendly. I would go to church, but, and they pin their hopes of their salvation, their walk with Christ on a spiritual leader. Paul's saying these leaders have come in. They're leading you a different way. They're saying, you're not complete. You're not complete. You're unstable. You need to do more. And Paul says, stand firm. Don't go back. Don't do what they're saying to do. Don't pin your hopes on them. So what are we to do? Stand firm. Don't go back. There are very important reasons why Paul says this. When we get into the why of this, we see it all throughout this text in these 16 verses. We see the first why in verse 3. The, the first why is this, because if we go back to the law, we're obligated to the entire law. Look with me in verse 3. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to the entire law. What Paul is saying to them is if you believe that you must add just one religious work to your salvation, then you need to add all of it. If the law is going to be more important than you to you than the cross, then you are obligated. You are fastened to the law. Paul is saying, don't be fastened to the law. Be fastened. Be obligated by the cross. The word obligation here that Paul uses here is really an interesting word. The word literally means one who owes another. What Paul is saying is we need to stand firm so that we don't owe our lives entirely to the entire 
law. It's not about behaviors. Again, last week we talked about full freedom, remember? Remember the full freedom? Who, who was here last week? Just so that you can, no, I'm just kidding, don't raise your hand. And be like, man, I didn't know we had to give roll. Um, thanks, Jim. Um, full freedom, we talked about last week, is one, there's three ways to describe full freedom. Full freedom comes with the freedom of, who remembers? Opportunity, right. So in Christ, we have opportunity to be free in God. Before that, it was just hinging on the law, which we were imperfect to follow, all of it. So without Christ, there's no opportunity. And the second part of freedom, for those who weren't here, was freedom of ability and the freedom of desire. Paul, with this, is saying, you do not have the opportunity for freedom if you're just adding the law to your faith. You're obligated to forego the opportunity given to us by the cross so that you can maintain the law. It's so important that we stand firm and don't go back because if we go back, then we're obligated to the law. There's several reasons why this is important. You're not a free person if you live a religious life with what I call the debtor's ethic. I didn't come up with that. A lot of theologians call it that. You know what the debtor's ethic is. It's, it's taking a song like, Jesus paid it all. That's good news, right? What's the next phrase? All to him I owe. The debtor's ethic is you're living your life in such a way where the second part of that means more to you than the first part. I've got to do this. I have to go to church. I got to give him my best. I got to owe, I owe, I owe. I can never pay back all that Jesus has done for me. Here's the short answer Paul's saying is you will never be able to pay it back. Let that go. Stand firm in Jesus paid it all. Don't go back to play this game where you have to be perfect and your behavior has to be absolutely on cue with everything. No, if you're going to add one thing to the law, you better add all of it to the law. You're obligated to the law. It's one reason why we should stand firm in the grace of the gospel and not go back. Another reason why is we could never, this gets to what I was already saying, we could never earn enough to justify our own freedom. Verse 4. You who are trying to be justified. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Notice that in this verse, Paul emphasizes you who are trying to be justified. Paul's making it very clear what they're doing. You're trying to work. You're trying to earn approval by God. You're trying to add to. You're not letting Jesus pay for it all. You're trying to still do more. And Paul's saying one reason why you should stand firm and not go back is you're obligated to law if you do that. And secondly, you're never, ever, 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 no matter how hard you try, going to be able to earn enough to be free on your own. And then he gets to this third reason why. If you don't stand firm, you go back to works righteousness, then you are thirdly alienating yourself from Christ. We just read it. 
How did it hit you when you read this? This is New Testament stuff, right? So a lot of times we, we have uh, people discount the Old Testament because it's in the New Testament, and so we ignore Old Testament stuff. Well, we don't, but some people do that. Uh, but listen to these harsh words. You, are try- you who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. The word there is cardageo. Listen to this very carefully chosen word that was given to Paul for the Galatians. The word simply means alienated, means to render idle, unemployed, inactive. To cause a person or a thing to have no further efficiency. To alienate is to say to deprive of force, influence, or power. Galatians, what you are doing by going back and trying to work yourself, trying to earn salvation, is you are depriving the force of the cross from your life. The force and the power of Jesus, the influence of the Son of God come in His blood spilled, applied to your life. You are depriving that power from your reality. Another definition of this word alienate is to cause to cease, to put an end to, to do away with, to cease or to pass away or to be done away, to be severed from. Galatians, People of grace, when you spend your days trying to earn approval from God, you are severing yourself from the power of the cross. In choosing to go back to the law, the Galatians were depriving Jesus' work on the cross and his resurrection from the grave of its force, of its power. This is catastrophic. People ask me often, probably one of the more frequent questions I get today, Jason, how can someone or can someone lose their salvation? Maybe you've asked that. Maybe you've asked that this week. Maybe that's your wobbly part of the stand. You feel like, I just, I don't know. Maybe I can lose it. I don't know. This is saying that we could be um, falling away from grace. Jason, what does this mean? Well, I answer like I think Paul would answer is that salvation is found only through faith, through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's found only in faith through the Lord Jesus Christ and His perfect sacrifice for my sins on the cross. It's found in faith in that He defeated my sin. He defeated the death by the resurrection. And if I choose to refuse that, that that's enough, then most likely I'm pushing the grace of God aside. And I never was saved. Paul is saying you've alienated yourself from Christ. You're falling away from grace because you are sticking to works. Let go of the works. Unshackle yourself. Be knowing that you are saved by the grace of God and nothing else saves you. One reason we should stand firm and not go back 
so that we are not alienated from the grace and the power of Christ. So we get it. Our standing firm is not so much just standing firm. It's not going back, but it's actually moving forward into more freedom. So how do we do that? Well, Paul begins in verse 6 by asking this question. Actually, it's verse 7. You were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? One of the first things we do in order to stand still, not go back, is to remember where we started, where it began. You were running well. You were running well. Paul's doing this. He's reminding them of the day in which they believed. When you were tempted to give in to pressures and temptation, Maybe you're thinking about yourself that you're too dirty, you're too stained, you're too messed up, and you need more rules, you need more behavior. Instead of working toward that, I want to encourage you to go back to that day you truly repented. Think about it right now. It may not be the day that you repented. Maybe there's been other times in your life where you really felt the presence of God restoring you, bringing you back. I know for me, this is so important. When I confess my sins to the Lord, I go back to places like Psalm 51. I go back to places in my own spiritual journey where I knew that I knew that I knew God forgave me. I remember those days I was running well. Go back to that. Remember that. And make sure that's true and strong in your life. Remember where you started. Another thing we do in how to stand firm is we identify the traps. I'll read this text for 7 through 12, and you can see what he's saying that, that it's sneaky. It's, it's, it's verse 7. You were running well. Who prevented you? From being persuaded regarding the truth. He's saying, find out who it is. Like, how, where are the traps? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. Verse 10. I myself am, I myself am persuaded in the Lord. You will not accept any other view. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters... If I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Now, what's he doing here? He's reminding the people, remember where you come from, and it's important that you identify what has entrapped you. Here are a few ways that we can identify our trappers, okay? We all have got them. We've all got those people in our life, those things that come up to us and try to entice us to go back. These are people who disrupt true freedom. That's what we see in verse 7. Who are those people or what are those things that have come into your life that have slowed your pace in Christ down, that are speed bumps that have gotten in the way, hurdles that you keep hitting that aren't making you stronger, but actually pulling you off the track, tripping you up. What are those things? Can you identify those in your life? Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's things you're reading, things you're watching. Maybe it's a particular experience in your past that keeps coming back and you're holding on to things you shouldn't hold on to. Identify those in your life. Another way to identify these, these are tempters, these are people, these are things that are not from God. Verse 8, Paul says, he's making it very clear, this persuasion does not come 
from the one who calls you. Anyone that's going to take you away from the cross to more work, it's not from the Lord. The enemy will do everything to distract us from the beauty and the power of the cross and the risen Lord. Because that's where his death came. His defeat happened at the cross. And our freedom comes through the cross. The Holy Spirit, we're going to get into that more in the next couple weeks, will always lead us to more freedom, more joy, not less. Another way we identify what's true and what's not is our trappers will usually avoid persecution. Notice the people that are coming in, confusing them. They are not being persecuted. They kind of have a free pass. Oh, we got to do this. We got to do this. Okay, we applaud you. It's a good message. They go into the next town. They, they poison them. But Paul is saying, I am being persecuted by the message. It's very clear that Paul is saying, one way you identify the trappers is are they willing to suffer and persevere for the truth? If not, then it might be a trap. These disruptors are true disruptors of our freedom. They're not from God, and they rarely will suffer for the truth. A third thing, a third reason, or a third way, I'm sorry, um, that we should avoid going back and standing firm is real simply, love other people. Love others Look with me in verse 13. For you are called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. He could have said, are those people coming behind me? Those false teachers are, do you feel loved by them? Do you feel like they're helping you into freedom? One way we can avoid this and stand firm and not go back is we take the message, the news that came to us, and we don't just sit on it. We take it and we engage others with it. Be advancing the message of grace, and you'll find that the message of grace is settling more and more in your own life. You're going to find more and more freedom when you take the message of freedom to the streets and tell people about it. When you encourage them to know Jesus, you're going to find your freedom grow and grow. I've never seen a person with full freedom who only serves themselves. Those who are fully free in Christ, they launch to engage others. They love to engage others. They look forward to it. They say no to the debtor's ethic because they know they can never repay Christ. So what they do is they just go send the message to other people. And they say things like, it's free, it's free, just come, learn about the one who set me free. Do you love people that way? Stand firm in the gospel of grace, don't go back, take the gospel to the streets, advance the news so people can hear it. Another way we stand firm and don't go backwards is we follow the Spirit. Look with me in verse 16 and then we're going to close up our time. I say then, walk by the Spirit, 
and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. What are the desires of the flesh? going to get into those in the next couple weeks. But we know one of the desires was to look good for the Judaizers. I want to make sure I'm doing everything right. I want to make sure my, my conscience is clean. I've got to work, I've got to work, I've got to work. And he's saying, no, follow the Spirit. We don't have time to get into it now, but we're going to look and see what the role of the Holy Spirit is in the believer. And I pray that it pushes us further and further into more freedom. What we need to learn from this today, what we just need to be reminded of, is the Holy Spirit wants to help you. The Holy Spirit is given to us to empower us, to launch us, to remember the grace, to identify the traps, and to love people with the gospel. We're going to learn how to walk in the Spirit as we move forward. Let me ask you, would you say, even if you don't really understand everything that it means, would you say that you're currently free? Would you say that you're currently walking by the Spirit? Would you say that you're a person who identifies this relationship with God as somebody who's truly free and Spirit-led? How do I know, Jason? Well, do you regularly go back to the day that you're saved? The day that you repent and go, wow. I still, after all these years, can't believe that he did that for me. Are you growing in awareness of the traps? Do you see, okay, can't do that, don't do that, avoid that. Is that getting clearer to you? Then you're probably walking in more and more freedom. The way I like to ask people to encourage them is, at this time last year, are you more free or are you doing the same stuff more and more? Or are you doing the, the sinful things less and less? Is there an identity of the traps? And then, just real simply, are you someone who's loving people with the gospel? This may sound harsh, but if there's nothing in you to tell people about the day you were saved and what Jesus did for you, then I don't know if you can feel confident in your freedom in Christ. You're you're wobbly at best. At least you're on the, the tube. <laughs> but what we want to be at the church is we want to constantly, with every song, with every sermon, with everybody, we want to be celebrating the day, remembering the day we started to run. We want to be helping each other identify the traps, and we want to be propelling each other to launch into other, into the cities, into the schools, into our teams, into our workplace, saying, Do you know Jesus? It's free, it's grace, it's good. Christian, remember your beginning. Remember the faith he's granted to you. Sing about it. Rejoice in the work of Christ, not in your work of behavior. Identify the traps, the bad things, those doctrines, those habits that are stumbling you. And remember that it's like leaven and bread. Just a little bit is all it takes. And get them out of your life. And love others. Spread the good news of the gospel. And I want to encourage you right now to begin, maybe even every day this week, when you wake up and when you go to bed, just pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, would you show me how to walk with you? 
would you lead me and would you show me how to walk with you? Come back next week and we'll talk more about what that means. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you don't know this way, you don't have this hope of this relationship with God, you're not just wobbling on the tire, you're not even on the tire, you don't even know what we're talking about, but you really want to. And you know deep down you need freedom that you don't have. I want to encourage you, please, please, please take the opportunity that is available to you when we dismiss. There's going to be people at the front. You come talk to us. We want to share what it means to follow Jesus. We want to introduce you to the one who can save you from everything and all the wrath of God. Would you come and learn about him? Let's pray. Lord, this day is a reminder. This text is a reminder. And it's an invitation to to take a deep breath. To remember that you don't want our Christian lives wobbling all the time. You want us to be strong and stable. You want us to stand firm and to not go back. You want us to remember the day that you saved us and, and never get past it. Never get over it. But that we always remember, just like the, 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 the day we open our first gift, like, oh, this is free, this is for me, and it's forever. God, would you make clear to us those traps that are keeping us from running well, that are knocking us off our stability. And Lord, would you please show us how to love others with this story. And lastly, Lord, this week, for everybody here, would you please help us, show us what it means to walk in the Spirit, to be Spirit-filled, to be Spirit-led in our ignorance and maybe even, Lord, in our fear. As we approach you and ask you that, I pray that you would overwhelm us this week. Help us to walk in the Spirit of God.